0: morning everybody Everybody's well happy monday we having an amazing everyone had an amazing weekend it is a wet monday here on the east coast we just at least where i am for those who are from boston or connecticut i don't think you are as fortunate we we just missed hurricane henry it just came through our area so we're feeling the aftermaths of it so that's why i'm wet it is pouring outside We've been talking about this idea of mastery. How mastery really is at the core of our, of our goals, of what we want, of what makes us feel psychologically satisfied, being a master of something. And we can use this psychological nutrient, if you will, to go backwards, right? To reverse engineer what our value system is. Since we know we want to be a master at something. That's baked in. That's sort of that's fixed in the equation. The variable in the equation. You remember we were like in school and they did that? You know, seven times x equals 24 or whatever. 115, and you had to like figure out what x is and do the math backwards. So we know that there is a a fixed number called desire of mastery. And we know there's a fixed number, fixed, so to speak, number called our actions, our emotions, how we feel about our day. And if you just take these two fixed things, you can then reverse engineer, you can then figure out what your value system really is. This is really important because if we fake ourselves out, we can never really grow. And if we live in a world where there are certain priorities, or we grow up in an environment where there are certain priorities, or we picture ourselves in certain priorities, and those are not the priorities that we want, or those aren't the priorities that we want to want, unless we're aware that they're there, it's going to be really hard to move new ones in. This is part of the process of change. This is why change doesn't work a lot because we skip this step. We go right to the doing. And when you go sometimes right to the doing, you don't really know why it's not working. This is one of the reasons why it's not working. So let's just delve in a couple more minutes in it. I just want to, just a little bit more. I remember once I was having a conversation with somebody about doing something. He was saying to me, I've been trying to do it, but it's not really working for me. I said, because you're not doing it right. He goes, I'm doing it fine. I said to him once, I'm like, do you ever drink orange juice? He's like, yeah. I'm like, you like it? He's like, I love it. I'm like, do you ever once wake up in the morning, brush your teeth, go downstairs and drink orange juice? I'm like, how gross is that? He's like, it's disgusting. I'm like, well, the orange juice is the same, right? So then what's gross about the orange juice? What's gross is that when you brush your teeth before you drink orange juice, the toothpaste and the orange juice mix together and it's gross. There are things that we do that not only prevent us from doing loftier things, more metaphysical, more spiritual things. Not only does it take up the space in our circle of mastery, it actually takes away the taste. Now, you know, this. those of you who've ever but went back and forth and eating healthy, you've, you know this, right? You ever eat healthy? If you're anyone here who's been on a diet, okay? So imagine that you're on a really strict diet and there's no carbs and there's nothing in a package and you're eating healthy and natural, et cetera, et cetera. For those who have done this before, you know that after a week or two, if you're like on a really healthy diet, so you're not eating anything that's in a package. When someone gives you a banana, you're like going out of your mind, right? Like the, 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 the sweetness is overwhelming. If you're eating salads and fish, basically throughout the day, and you get to have a banana, you're like, I can't, I can't, it's too much pleasure. If you're not dying, dieting, and you're pounding cake and you're eating chocolate bars and you're going and, and someone gives you a banana. You're like, what is this? I'm not on a diet. I'm not eating that. Like, just give me the fake granola bar. You know, the breakfast bar, you know, that one, the breakfast bar, the fake, healthy tons of sugar packed carbs bar that pretends like it's healthy for you. If you have a choice between be in a breakfast bar, and a banana, you're like, let's just go with the breakfast bar. It's healthier. It's not healthier. It just tastes better. And what happens is, is that when you continuously eat sugar and white flour and all the carbs, not only does it prevent you because you're too full for healthy food, it takes away the taste. Now that same banana doesn't taste as good. Now that the that the healthy food that you would otherwise have you would have been fine you would have enjoyed it doesn't have the same feeling because it's not that the unhealthy food took took up the space in your stomach it also took up the taste it prevented you from having sensitivity that would have created a pleasurable taste experience with healthier food. This is the reason why a lot of times we don't really feel spiritual things. We don't really feel love or sacrifice or connection to God in a real way. It's not because it's not there. It's because we are so overwhelmed with other things. We live in a world and our values, our priorities we're not aware of, and maybe one of our priorities is indulgence. It's physical pleasure. It's accumulation. It's winning the competition. We're so, without realizing, focused on that, that our ability to fully appreciate the things in our lives that would give us a certain level of taste. It doesn't taste the same. If I need to accumulate wealth, I don't taste my children the same. If I'm constantly looking for the next hit or the next like or whatever, or I am in a world where my comfort Whatever the values are that I don't even realize are there, that I put in my circle, I have to also realize that those values are not only taking up the space of which I am giving my time to those values, they may be dulling the taste of higher quality values. And when I'm in a moment of inspiration, whether I'm at something that reminds me of death And I think about my life or something that reminds me of life, a wedding, a birth, a funeral. I'm in front of something holy. And I get that moment of inspiration. What that moment of inspiration really is, is a window into a value that I should have in my life. I should be tasting this thing. But I can't during my regular day. But I get this, like, shot, if you will, of, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. This is supposed to be in the middle of my circle. Now, here's the trick. The minute we think this way, our brain starts to say, okay, but you can't because of this and because of that, and it's not going to work, and you can't do it, and no one's done it before. It's not who you are. It's not who you were. It's not who you will be. And because we don't know how to implement a different value. Because in a moment of inspiration, we don't know how to take that inspiration and make it real. Our brain, because it's trying to always keep us alive and survive, will tell us you can't do it. Don't, Don't even start. Stay you. It's too hard. And so we don't even give ourselves time to just process it. just the thought of it is valuable. Just before you do anything, just the time it takes to ask ourselves, what's really the values of my year? What's really the things that I wanna put in the middle of my circle? What is in my circle now? I'm being sensitive to it. I'm journaling or I'm thinking. I already know that this bothers me. Why? Is it because I really need to win at this game? Is it because I really need to get this thing? Am I stuck in this balance? Am I constantly going back to here or to there? Forget that I can change. I just want to be able to see it. I want to be able to just recognize it for a second. And even if I never change, even if I never do one thing different, Thought is valuable. Thought is spiritual. Thought is the the language of our soul. Thought is the beginning of anything that ever happened, ever. And the ability just to think is the most important thing that we have. Just to drive home. And ask yourself, why am I upset for? What did that person say to me that got me up? Why am I threatened all of a sudden? Why am I insecure about this thing? How come I don't feel like I have a bounce in my step today? What is it that I want to become? What is it that's missing? What was it that inspired me at that moment? How come when I hear this thing, I hear the picture? And this is the picture that I keep on seeing. Why does this thing inspire me about this person? How come when I heard a story about this person, I was inspired by this. Nobody else was. That's how we start to uncover who we are is by thinking. Right? Like the Iran just said, what's in my movie? What we're doing in our minds is our mind is processing the world. at a million miles an hour. And we can literally go on the treadmill for our lives forever, never ask, never question. I had this. I don't know if I told this about once. I don't remember what I, what I. I don't remember. We're here together so much. The other day, I was reviewing a document for something. Someone was doing a presentation and a certain client, and I was reviewing a their presentation. And I remember going into the presentation, going, "Okay, like I gotta look at it like this from a wide angle." It was so detailed that I found myself like doing what every lawyer does, just marking up grammar. <laughs> I, I, six pages in, it was so detailed that all I was basically doing was, you know, sentence structure and grammar and just marking it up. And I'm like 12 pages in, just moving sentences around and like cutting out. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, should this even be here? Like, I'm so knee deep in this document that it's for sure. <laughs> good question. It was in it was in pencil. I know red red ink scares me. Writing in red ink actually makes me I, I like shake. The permanency of red ink. As I'm type, I'm, as I'm reading, going like, wait, sh- I'm marking up this this section. Should this section even be here? I'm like, wait, how did I lose the trees? We could go so quickly through our lives that we can just lose the trees so quickly. It's Monday at 9 a.m. and we've already lost the trees. We're already in it. We're already looking at the leaves. We're already trying to navigate the day. The, The world is buzzing. You can go a year. You can literally think about where you were a year ago. You can go a year and have very little time to pull back. Very little time to question. All this work that I did, was it for what? Was it because of the value that's in my circle of mastery that I don't even know how it got there? Am I on some race that I was put on that I don't even know why I'm on the race for? I don't really care that much. I was talking to an executive recently who was very focused on a certain job in the company and he was upset because the ceo had given somebody else the responsibility to do this job it really wasn't the job for him but that job was an important job that he wanted even though i think deep down he knew that wasn't right for him And the grappling to his credit between, I'm in a race, I'm in a competition. The competition, this company is how important is your job? Where do you sit? Where do you sit on the org chart? Where do you sit in the company? Versus, where am I gonna be me? Where am I gonna use my talents? Where am I going to wake up every morning and love my job because it's tapping into the me that I was born with? This is the struggle. This is the struggle of life. It's not just like a small thing. We're doing things that make no sense for us. It is taking up months of our lives, months of our our years For no reason other than somebody else told us that it was important. For no reason other than we thought this would give us some hit of attention from people that don't even really care about us. We're running after something. When the goal of life is not to run after anything, the goal in life is to reveal ourselves to this world. The goal of life is to understand self and to reveal it where it is. My rabbi, Rabbi Levy once said to me once, he said, it was a great line. He said to me once, he said, be careful for, for opportunities. Because sometimes the opportunities that you want are the ones that are not the best for you. you ever had that where like you, you really want a certain opportunity? And you know, you know, you want it so barely you don't even question why you want it. So you run after it and you measure your day by how close you are to the opportunity without even thinking, wait, wait, is this even good for me? Is this going to bring me into the world? Is this, is this what God wants of me in my life? So instead we run after the opportunity then we we say to ourselves, I know, but it'll give me something else. Listen, if you have to, you have to. You got to support your family. You got to do your thing. Okay, fine. There are things that you don't want to do in life. You got to do. But this drive for things that are not meant for us, this desire for things that are not meant for us, you know, it's an amazing thing if you look at the 10 commandments. Last commandment is Lo tachmod, do not desire, as Asha's do not desire someone else's wife and their life. If you think through that commandment, it's so incredible. God is saying it doesn't belong to you, don't even want it. Things that don't belong to you don't. Even desire it. Forget, take it. Forget, steal it. It's somebody else's. If you're a person who's looking over at someone else's thing, your own value system is off. Because if your values were right, you'd be so overwhelmed with your own life. You would be so excited to bring you to this world that you wouldn't have the time or space. To want what somebody else has. The Ten Commandments. It's not like a nice idea that the rabbi said after he gave over all the rules. It's the top ten. Because what goes in your circle is the is so critical. In fact, between me and you, we should do that together. Jew or, or, or doesn't matter who you are, I don't care. If you're listening to this, I don't care what your religion is, I don't care what your denomination is. Rosh Hashanah for everybody. Rosh Hashanah is, we believe, is the, the beginning of the creation of the world. It's for everybody. So if you've never even kept Rosh Hashanah, I want to offer you an opportunity this year. Rosh Hashanah is in two weeks, a little more. At the very least, we should walk into Rosh Hashanah with a circle. And what's in our circle? We should ask ourselves, what's going to be in my circle? What am I going to work on? At the very least, we should be able to know what stuff's in there right now and what stuff should be in there. Measure twice, you cut once. Maybe the reason why we're working so hard and not accomplishing is because we're not really sure what we're going after. All right, we'll talk about this. Let's really think about this. Like really, let's really do this. Let's really do this. I think it'd be so great. Draw a circle and ask yourself, what's my values? What are the things I want this year? What are the things that I'm currently going after that I can write down and cross out? Clarity. Clarity. If you're clear, it makes it easier. Okay. Have an amazing day. With God's help, I cannot wait to see you again tomorrow. Have a great day.